good lord, what were they thinking? Yeah. Like, this is not timeless. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. And I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. The events that led to Texas independence in 1836 have naturally had a lasting effect on our state's history and culture. The touchstones of Goliad, the Alamo, and San Jacinto still resonate today. They're more than just stories in the history books, though. They have a physical presence, too. And that's what we're here to talk about today, the monuments of the Texas Centennial. But before we start, what's a great song about Texas? Well, I'll just say that one of my favorites is uh, Lyle Lovett's That's Right, You're Not From Texas. And that's actually one of my inspirations for this podcast, because the whole idea behind the song is, you know what, you're not from Texas, but that's all right. You're welcome anyway. Well, I like Leaving Texas by iconic Jerry Jeff Walker. And it was a song that I would always carry with me because I've traveled so much, and every time I was flying over the border, I would pop in the CD, or later I'd dial it up on the iPod, and listen to Leave in Texas by Jerry Jeff Walker. It still chokes me up. Well, one of my favorites, uh, I have a lot of favorite Texas songs, but one of my favorites is Bosky Bandit by uh, Johnny Gimble, and it's a country swing song about a uh, outlaw who's too nervous to, lo- or too lazy to work and too nervous to steal. Well, keep your earphones on, folks, because <laughs> we will be coming at you with more Texas songs for Texas you to songs. buy on iTunes. While the history books serve to chronicle the facts of historical events, mere words are not always capable of conveying the gravity of what happened. And that's one of the reasons why mankind has always endeavored to build lasting physical representations of our greatest achievements, failures, and ideas. Sometimes we just build monuments to things we like. Texas, of course, is no exception. There are many historical monuments scattered across the Lone Star State, commemorating events from the Civil War to JFK's assassination. But in 1936, in conjunction with the centennial celebration of the state's independence, funds were allocated to construct a series of structures specifically linked to the Texas Independence Trail. We begin with the simply named Fannin's Men Memorial. Due to the brutal nature of the massacre at Goliad, with the remains left to the elements and scavengers, it was only after the war for independence that the slaughtered men were given a proper burial. In June of 1836, when General Thomas Russ was marching through Goliad after the Battle of San Jacinto, the remains were gathered and interred with full military honors. Following the ceremony, however, the gravesite was left unmarked. In 1958, a local merchant placed a pile of rocks on what he believed to be the site. In 1885, a memorial was erected in the city of Goliad rather than on the grave itself, spearheaded by the Fannin Monument Association and William L. Hunter, a survivor of the massacre. Many years later, in 1930, Boy Scouts discovered charred bones that had been unearthed by animals in the elements, and after research by University of Texas anthropologist J.E. Pierce, the authenticity of the site was confirmed. As part of the Texas Centennial, money was allocated in 1936 to build a massive monument from Texas granite, which was dedicated on June 4, 1938. The Alamo Cenotaph, also known as the Spirit of Sacrifice, resides in San Antonio's Alamo Plaza at the intersection of South Alamo and East Crockett Streets. It commemorates the brave heroes who served under Colonel William Travis and stood up to the Mexican Army under Santa Ana. The Cenotaph, as it is often called, was funded in 1936, started construction in 1937, and completed in 1939. 
The base, a slab of pink Texas granite, is 14 by 20 feet. The tower rises to 60 feet over the plaza and is formed from gray Georgia marble. It was constructed by the Rodriguez Brothers Memorials. While the overall design was done by architect Carlton Adams, the sculptor Pompeo Copini was commissioned to do the figures. Uh, Copini has actually got a lot of work scattered all over the state, a bunch of them in San Antonio, including um, his own tombstone. So why a cenotaph? Well, the word cenotaph is from the Greek words kinos and tapos, which literally means an empty tomb. Since the remains of those that fought in the Alamo were presumably buried or otherwise scattered, it's an appropriate tribute to their sacrifice. The sculpture Copini put a lot of work into getting the figures right, going as far as to work out the figures' musculature before quote-unquote clothing them in original clay models. His attention to detail shows in the wonderfully rendered final figures. Although he would have preferred to sculpt the figures as if in battle, the completed design by Adams had already arranged them in such a way as they appear to be posing for a portrait. The north face of the cenotaph bears a statue representing the state of Texas, and this is a feminine figure bearing the shields of Texas and the United States. The east panel plays host to James Bonham, while the west bears Davy Crockett and Colonel Travis. The south side of the monument tower holds the physical representation of the theme, the spirit of sacrifice itself. Engraved around the base are the names of those known to have died in the Battle of the Alamo, and the following inscription. Erected in memory of the heroes who sacrificed their lives at the Alamo, March 6, 1836, in defense of Texas. They chose never to surrender nor retreat. These brave hearts with flags still proudly waving perished in the flames of immortality that their high sacrifice might lead to the founding on this Texas. This brings us then to the biggest monument to commemorate the biggest victory, the San Jacinto Monument. As early as 1856, the Texas Veterans Association urged the state legislature to memorialize the men who had died during the Revolution. It wasn't until the 1890s that funding was approved to try and purchase the land where the battle had taken place, and this finally happened in 1897. This land eventually became the San Jacinto Battleground State Historic Site, but no monument was built. Soon the Daughters of the Republic of Texas took up the fight to construct an official monument and were eventually successful. The initial design came from Jesse H. Jones, the chairman of the Texas Centennial Celebrations, and was intended to memorialize all Texans who had served and died in the Revolution. Architect Alfred C. Finn and engineer Robert J. Cummins provided the final design. As part of the Texas Centennial Celebration in 1936, ground was broken on the monument. Funding came from both the Texas Legislature and the United States Congress. It took three years to build and was dedicated on April 21, 1939, the 103rd anniversary of the Battle of San Jacinto. Built by W.S. Bellows Construction, the monument is constructed mainly of reinforced concrete with a facing of limestone from a quarry near the state capital of Austin. The octagonal column rises more than 567 feet above the plains of Laporte, Texas, near the Houston Ship Channel, and is the tallest monument column in the world. Second place goes to the Juke Tower in North Korea, which is about 9.5 feet shorter. Thanks to the 34-foot Lone Star on top, the San Jacinto Monument is about 12 feet taller than the Washington Monument. The base of the tower contains a 15,000-square-foot museum whose bronze doors depict the six flags that flew over Texas. The tower narrows such that the observation deck is only 30 square feet. From up there, you can look out at the 1,700-foot-long reflecting pool and get a great view of the USS Texas docked in her berth. The San Jacinto Monument underwent renovations in 1983, 1990, 1995, and 2004 through 2006. 
Approximately 250,000 people visit each year, including 40,000 children on school trips. Now, while not strictly part of the history of the Revolution, the Monument Hill State Historic Site in Central Texas was also constructed during the period of the Texas Centennial. Monument Hill is south of LaGrange. The remains of those who lost their lives in the Dawson Massacre and the Black Bean Death Lottery, which occurred at the end of the failed Muir Expedition, were interned here in 1848. In 1849, the surrounding land was bought by Heinrich Ludwig Kreisch, a German immigrant who proceeded to build a brewery and become the third largest brewer in the state by 1879. His flagship product was Kreisch's Bluff Beer. The brewery closed in 1884, but the Kreisch family owned the land for years afterwards. The tomb had become a magnet for vandals. People just like to vandalize historic things, I guess. The family petitioned many times for the tomb to be moved, but in 1907 the state acquired the land by condemnation. In 1933, the State Highway Commission agreed to maintain the land and tomb as a state park, and the Daughters of the Republic of Texas had a new granite vault built around the tomb. For the 1936 Texas Centennial, the Centennial Commission had a 48-foot shellstone monument built to mark the mass grave and this included a beautiful Art Deco mural uh, on, the, on the monument. And, you know, it's one of the memories I have from my childhood was one summer uh, went and camped at Camp Lone Star, which is a Lutheran camp there outside LaGrange. And um, it's really close to Monument Hill, and one of the activities that we did one day is we took a hike all the way to Monument Hill. It's probably something really short, like three miles or something, but it felt like we walked all day. Um, but we went to the Monument Hill State Historic Site and hung out there for the day. And I remember standing there and looking at that monument. I didn't understand it at the time. I was a young lad. But um, it's really beautiful. And it's indicative of all of the many monuments that we have all over the state. Like you said, it's indicative of a lot of the monuments in the state. And that's because the centennial period really was like a flowering of Texas patriotism. As the hit, the 100th anniversary of uh, the revolution came about, and people really started to look around at the monuments and at the at the sites of Texas history, and they were fading away. Uh, the Goliad was almost completely destroyed, you know, in ruins. All the missions were in ruins in San Antonio. And that's really where the point where they started to look back and say, we need to start preserving this history. And the perfect, the perfect opportunity was the centennial. There was a statue in Indianola of La Salle. And it, at the time in the 1920s and 30s, after the hurricanes, it was destroyed. It was just it's still there. It's just the feet of La Salle. Well, they built a new statue at Indianola of La Salle and it's still there. It's humongous. It's, and it's that art deco style that the, that the cenotaph has and that the Memorial for Fanon has. And the interesting thing about it is, is as we know from our previous podcast, there's nothing in Indianola. It's, it's just a fishing village. Now, it, even at the time the, there was no town there, but, the thing about it is this period was, is this was during the Great Depression. And so there was money coming in from the federal government, from the Works Progress and the PWA, from the, from the Roosevelt administration, from the New Deal, to, to put people to work. And this was one of the things that they did was they built all these memorials. And Yeah, they, they built a lot of monuments. And uh, something that I think we should have a whole episode on is they did the, uh, the big central um, centennial celebration that uh, they held it at Fair Park in Dallas, in Dallas and they yeah. built a bunch of buildings. The buildings are still there, and that's what they use as their a lot of their exhibit halls. Mm-hmm. But they had it's a huge thing. It's basically like a World's Fair that they had in Dallas. Yeah, and it's the Centennial and, exhi- and, Exhibition. And a, yeah, and a lot of people credit that event, that Centennial celebration, and you know that time period of 
putting Texas on the world map, essentially. It's right. like there, there was so much going on work-wise and celebration-wise that all of a sudden it got the news. Franklin Roosevelt came and visited yeah. the Centennial Celebration. Well, and and that, that style that's at Fair Park, that severe, straight-line, Art Deco style is present in other places like the museum, uh, the... Texas Memorial Museum in Austin, which I believe you've been you've been to, Mike. I have been there, but but I want to talk just a little bit about. There's an interesting thing about 1936, and you talk about the Art Deco style, and you talk about, you know, if you look at the art and the industrial design, you look at the monuments. There's something about that style, and then you look, and now go find something that was built in 1978. Yeah, and you go, good lord, what were they thinking? Yeah. Like. This is not timeless, except for it's awfully timeless. Yeah. Um, but there's something really like majestic about the yes. way that these monuments and things were built. And in my mind, I'm just thinking about, you know, we'll be around in 2036. Right. You know, and what will the 200 years of Texas look like? Will we go back yeah. and build, uh, will we do another round right. of monuments? Well, before we get there, we'll have to talk about the sesquicentennial. Right. Yeah, the 150, which we were there before. Um, but, you know, talking about the monuments again, the San Jacinto Monument, you know, we mentioned that, you know, more than 40,000 school ch- children go there on field trips every year. Well, that was one of the things that I did. In, yeah, well, in I think all high. three of us yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, it was like, but I mean, especially growing up in that area, that was one of the big things field trip wise that we would do. Just so what, the way, you know, kids in this area probably go down to uh, the Dealey Sixth Plaza. Floor Museum Dealey Plaza, and yeah. Dealey Plaza and all of that, you know, the history of Texas was right there, San Jacinto Monument. And it's... It's one of those monuments, one of those buildings, one of those massive structures that you can't really appreciate unless you see it in person. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a young lad, a young boy, walking up to that monument and standing next to it and looking up and just being in awe. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that for a fact, I know there are people who both listen to this show and just people who are Texans who've never experienced any of these monuments and are probably unaware that a lot of these monuments exist. I mean, the most people know about San Jacinto, but outside of that, they haven't haven't seen any of the other monuments yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, and um, especially the uh, the cenotaph, the the uh, spirit of sacrifice um, yeah. in San Antonio. It's it's a beautiful monument. I have vague memories of seeing it. I want to go back now and look at it again after after reading about it because it's and seeing the photos of it because it looks pretty magnificent. The interesting thing about that one is it is it does draw the eye. The only thing that's to its detraction is the fact that it is right in front of the Alamo and the defining lines of the Alamo draw your eyes more because it's the more recognizable symbol but But it is a beautiful monument and it is it is stunning to see but uh one thing that I forgot to put in the notes or that is that the location of the cenotaph is believed to be possibly the location where the the bodies of the people that were killed at the Alamo were piled and burned or perhaps where the few survivors were killed after the battle. Right. So they, they chose that site specifically for mm-hmm. that significance. Um, an interesting thing. So the 1936, the Centennial Commission, they did, they did all these big monuments, and they did uh, they did restore the missions, uh, the mission in Goliad, the fort in Goliad, uh, the Presidio, uh, the stone fort in Nacogdoches, many different sites. That was where they really began working on restoring those things. But they also made hundreds upon hundreds of small monuments and markers throughout the state. And many of those in, in granite, uh, this was before really they started doing the metal 
uh, scroll type markers that we see historical markers throughout the state, but there's a lot of granite markers throughout the state. Some of those are in varying conditions, but uh, ranging from just a few feet tall to several feet tall. And the interesting thing, as I was reading about this, the notes that you sent me, there was one that stood out and that was the Camino Real monument, uh, which is the King's road, which our friend, uh, 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 Saint Denis mapped between Louisiana and Eagle pass and went through San Antonio. Well, that memorial is located in Normandy, Texas, where I went to high school. And so this was a memorial that was built in 1936, and I drove by every day going to school when I was in high school. And, I, I mean, I've seen it before, but I didn't know that, that that was built in 1936 and was part of this effort. So that's a kind of a surprising connection that I had. So these are all very important monuments that have a lot of gravity to them. Um, in a future episode of Monumental Texas, we will talk about some of the um, less significant and perhaps more um, <laughs> whimsical monuments, including the Jackrabbit uh, Monument in uh, Midland, Odessa, and uh, the Sewer Monument. Yes, yeah. there is a Sewer Monument in Texas. And what about the giant peanut? There's a giant peanut in Pearsall. <laughs> the uh, world's largest peanut, thank you very much. Yeah. And number one, I don't want to give anything away, but there is a very famous sailor who, believe it or not, can claim Texas as his home state. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstaple.com and leave us some feedback. Be sure to indicate whether it's okay for us to mention you on the show. You can also find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, tell your friends and please leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas Texas wants you anyway.